Last week, we walked through the whole chapter, Luke 24. We walked through that whole chapter, uh, exploring different dimensions about post-resurrection life. Like, what happened immediately after the resurrection? And so I just want to do a quick review. Here's this big insight we had last week. Here it is. We'll put it up. Seeing did not equal automatic faith. Jesus pointed to the Scriptures to reveal Himself as the resurrected Messiah. It was through the power of God's Word that the blind disciples finally came to faith. If you remember the story, the women go to the tomb. See, there's no body, like there's no corpse, there's no body there. And they don't understand, and it's the angels. Two angels show up and say, He is risen. And they then, hearing this divine message, they understand. And if you remember, Peter goes to the tomb as well, and he doesn't see a body, and he doesn't understand. Then when Jesus shows up, if you remember, Jesus shows up and he's like, hey, like, I, here are my hands and my feet, like, here I am, and they think he's a ghost, and they don't believe it's really him. And then what, this, what, what Luke records is that Jesus opened the scriptures so they would understand. And so that was this big insight last week, is the power of God's Word. Like, we just had this idea that if we just saw some amazing miracle, it would just, it would just like explode our uh, like, faith in our life, and we'd be such great people. No. Peter and the disciples see the resurrected Jesus, and they don't understand until Jesus opens their minds to the Scriptures. So we kind of landed the plane on this application. So here was the application this week. Uh, last week. When our feelings and our experiences are in conflict with God's Word, always trust God's Word. And that's, that's, so we had a lot to say about all of that. Basically, don't just trust your feelings. Don't just trust all your desires, your experiences. You trust God's Word. That's, that's the application, and we had a lot to say about that in that section of the sermon. Now, honestly, I thought we were moving on this week. I thought we were stepping into our new sermon series. We're going to launch it this morning. But then something happened early this week. And when this thing happened, I knew I couldn't leave last week's sermon alone. We were going to have to go one more week. We were going to pull that thread one more week. So it happened early in the week. Like we always, uh, like we typically do, uh, Ryland's driving. Uh, he's got his learner's permit. He will have his license soon, we think. But he's still got his learners, so he's driving. I'm in the, I'm in the, I'm in the passenger seat. The two littles uh, are in the back. We're on our way for drop off to school and babysitter, and we turn on some music. I turn on Energy Booster playlist on Spotify. Not the most godly music, but a little pick-me-up music. And then this song comes on. Here it is. By One Direction, Live While We're Young. That song comes on. Now, I'm not going to play it. I'm not going to play it. And if I'm about to offend any One Direction fan, I'm sorry. It's like, just, just, this is a Holy Spirit moment then, okay? These lyrics start the song, and then I'll just, there's a couple couple lines go by, and then there's another lyric. Here are the lyrics to start the song. I'm not going to sing them for you, I'm just going to read them. Hey girl, I'm waiting on you, I'm waiting on you, come on and let me sneak you out, and have a celebration, a celebration, the music up, the windows down, there's some other things. They weren't really that appropriate, so I kind of moved right here. 
let's go crazy, crazy, crazy till we see the sun. I know we only met, but let's pretend it's love. So I hear this line of like, just go crazy. Like, let's just do anything and everything until the sun comes up. And I stop the song and I said, this song is teaching us that the way to the good life is to do whatever you want, whatever makes you happy, whatever you desire. And then they put some catchy music on top of it. And it just seems like a great time. So do what you want unchecked desires and feelings. You just do what you want. Do what makes you happy. And you know what? It'll be a great time had by all. That's the message of the song. And so I I say, Rylan, if you live your life according to this song, it's not going to end well. Actually, God has something very different to say about how to live. Actually, he he even tells, tells us what happens if you do live this kind of life. And immediately this chapter in the Bible comes to mind. And so I pull up, pull out my phone, uh, uh, open it up, uh, move from Spotify to this audio Bible app I have. And this, this, this audio Bible has um, hip-hop uh, music set behind it. A different kind of, different kind, and it's, and it's um, different um, voice actors are uh, reading God's Word. It's just a different kind of audio Bible. I love it. It's just different. And so we listen to this whole chapter in the Bible. I just, just for fun, want to give you a taste of the beginning of that chapter. And what you're going to see on the screen is the name of the app. So if you're like, man, I'd be interested in that audio Bible. It's free. I'm, not, I'm just going to give it a shot. Give it a shot. But here it is. Here, let's just listen to the first few, uh, like 18 seconds. Follow my advice, my son. Always treasure my commands. Obey my commands and live. Guard my instructions as you guard your own eyes. Tie them on your fingers as a reminder. Write them deep within your heart. And so we go, we go from there and listen to the rest of the chapter. Now that chapter has a lot to say about what life looks like. Oh, always treasure my command. Might be a Holy Spirit moment. You might need to hear it again. All right, we'll go to the next slide. It's okay, Carol. Um. That this chapter, Proverbs 7, has a lot to say about what happens when you live life unchecked. Just living it full bore. Whatever you feel, whatever you desire, you go for it. Now this chapter has a lot to say about physical intimacy. This chapter is about a woman who seduces a young man. And sometimes it's a little explicit about what's going on. But at the heart of the passage, it's not about physical intimacy. It's about what happens when you follow the unchecked feelings and desires in your life. So let's take a look. I want to read this whole chapter. Now, I'm not putting the Scripture on the screen like I typically do, just like last week. We're going to read this whole passage of Scripture, this whole chapter. And along the way, we're going to, make some, we're going to, we're going to pause like we did last week. And we're just going to have some takeaways, some insights. And then after we're done with this chapter, I want to kind of layer on top of this whole chapter some other passages of Scripture so you see this is a theme throughout the Bible. So we'll pick up Proverbs 7, verse 1. Proverbs 7, verse 1. The father, speaking to his son, says, My son, keep my words and store up my commands within you. Keep my commands and you will live. Guard my teachings as the apple of your eye. Bind them on your fingers. Write them down on the tablet of your heart. Say to wisdom, 
you are my sister. And to insight, you are my relative. Now, we're, we're just going to pause right there because right here sets a foundation. Here's this young man about to move into manhood, and this father has some advice for his son. And the key piece of advice is you live your life not according to what you want and your desires. You live your life according to my words, my commands. Actually, they're so important, you never let them out of sight. Like you, you like tie them around your fingers. Not, not literally, but you just don't let these things out of mind. You keep them in front of you. So here's the insight. I'll try to put these, we'll put these up on the screen just to kind of be anchors for us along the way. The Father's words, not the Son's unchecked feelings and desires, should be the Son's guide for living everyday life. That's the foundation. Now what he's going to do, is going to tell them a parable. He's going to tell us not a parable about what happens when that's not the case. What happens when, when a young man doesn't live according to the wise words of his father? Here's what happens. We'll pick up with verse 5. They will keep you. So my words, they will keep you from the adulterous woman, from the wayward woman with her seductive words. At the window of my house, I looked down through the latest and I saw among the simple, I noticed among the young men, a youth who had no sense. He was going down the street near her corner, walking along in the direction of her house. And at twilight, as the day was fading, as the dark night set in. Now, we'll just take a quick pause here. We won't even throw an insight on the, on the screen. Just note some things that are going on as the stage is set. We have a young man who has no sense. We have a young man walking in the direct, uh, towards something he shouldn't be walking towards. And in case that wasn't enough, it's becoming dark. So darkness is about, to, is about to lay over top of the whole story. And here the father is putting, pulling the contrast between light and dark. So what's about to happen, it does not, this does not bode well for the young man. We'll pick up verse 10. Then came out a woman to meet him, dressed like a prostitute and with crafty intent. She is unruly and defiant. Her feet never stay at home. Now in the street, now in the squares. At every corner she lurks. She took hold of him and kissed him with a brazen face, she said. Today I fulfilled my vows. And I have food from my fellowship offering at home. So I came out to meet you. I looked for you and I found you. I've covered my bed with colored linens from Egypt. I've perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. Come. Let's drink deeply of love till morning. Let's enjoy ourselves with love. My husband is not at home. He's gone on a long journey. He took his purse filled with money and will not be home till full moon. This is very enticing language. There's a lot going on here. I'm glad the Bible at least keeps it this, uh, this PG-13 at least. A lot's going on here. Interesting enough, you know there's that, uh, that, that common uh, piece of wisdom that if you play with fire, eventually you'll get burned. Yeah. So when you're walking towards bad things, eventually bad things are going to get you. So like, there's a reason this woman can come out and grab him. Now I want us to keep in mind that this is framed as uh, framed as a relationship between an adulterous woman and a man. doesn't frame the woman very uh, nicely here. 
the larger picture of the Proverbs and the theme through the Scripture is, this is not about women being seductive. This is about walking along the way of life, following your unchecked desires and feelings. And we live in a world where there are seductive things all around us, selling us every day, trying to buy into something we really don't need, but we feel like we should have or would be good for us. I mean, this is, this is like marketing 101 in, in, in our culture right now. But here, the woman speaks craftily. The woman speaks to his desires. You don't think this young man sees this woman and doesn't want to go do things with her? So when they finally get, get together, she touches him. She, she intentionally speaks into and taps into his desires, his unchecked feelings. And she says just the right things. But here's the insight I'm taking away from this part. She appeals to his desires, and this young man wants her. No doubt, wants her. And she says all the right things to encourage him to follow his feelings. And he is. He's going to follow his feelings. He's going to head right in that house. And here's what's going to happen. We'll pick up verse 21. With persuasive words, she led him astray. She seduced him with her smooth talk. All at once, he followed her like an ox going to the slaughter, like a deer stepping into a noose till an arrow pierces his liver, like a bird darting into a snare, little knowing it will cost him his life. So when this young man, when this young man just goes about his life following every unchecked feeling and desire, it ultimately will end in his ruin. That's the insight. So just, just we'll put it on the screen. Following these unchecked feelings, desires will cost him his life. Nothing good's going to come of this. All the promises in the world are made to him. And I imagine that for part of the night it was really fun. But what he doesn't know is that as he gives away his life that night, in the end, all of his life will be required. He will lose everything. It will be to ruin. And the proverb, the father here is very clear. It's like an ox going to slaughter. Doesn't even know it. Has no clue he's about to ruin his life. And now the father ends, ends with this. Verse 24. Now then, my sons, listen to me. Pay attention to what I say. Do not let your heart turn to her ways or stray into her paths. Many are the victims she has brought down. Her slain are a mighty throng. Her house is a highway to the grave, leading down to the chambers of death. Summary? Here's the summary. Here's the summary. To this son, do not let your unchecked feelings and desires guide your life. If you do, you're going to be ruined. If you let your heart guide you, you're in really big trouble. Because that's not going to lead anywhere good. So that's the, that's the message the father has for the son. So when one direction says, go be crazy, 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 till the sun comes up, they might as well sing, go like ox to the slaughter. I just made that up. Like, that was it in my manuscript. I don't know. Was that okay? Like, I don't know. The beat in my head. Okay. All right. That's the song. 
Like, let's go die tonight. Teenagers have a very hard time understanding this. As the giggles will communicate. Okay. All right. Just so you know, part of how my life looks after, after service, I will figure out why they're laughing and why they're embarrassed of their father. All right. Let's continue. So here's the thing. So you might think, well, this is like a one-off thing. Like, this stuff doesn't show up anywhere else in the Bible. Actually, this very same thing is the thing that Jesus picks up on. He had something to say about this. I mean, this theme is thread through the Bible. When you follow your heart, bad things happen. Actually, you lose your life. Here's what Jesus said in Mark chapter 8, verse 34, 36. You might remember these words. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, follow me. Whoever wants to save their life, they're going to lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? If you try to live in such a way where you're the center of the universe and you're going to get everything you want because it's about saving your life, it's about making your life prosperous and good and comfortable, and it's all about all about me, you can have it for a time, but in the end you will lose it. Because you cannot sustain your life. And if your life has become about you, and it no longer is about the one who sustains you, you'll get what you want, and you will wither, and you will die. And then Jesus asked that great question. It's just a logical question. Like, what can you get? Like, what in the world is the price of the soul? I love it. What do, does someone gain? Uh, uh, what good is it if you gain the whole world, but you don't even have a soul to enjoy it? I mean, there's logic there. This isn't just some, this isn't just some religious you know, zealot out here uh, preaching some abstract spiritual truth. Literally, if you get everything... And yet you had to give your soul away to get it. To what benefit is that to you? It's a logical question. Jesus, and we all know the answer. Well, it doesn't make any sense. There is no benefit. You know, it's not that Jesus picks up on this theme from Proverbs 7. I mean, this has been going on from the beginning. So in the garden, Adam and Eve are given everything that is good. It's pleasurable. I mean, it's a good life they got. And fellowship with God... They have food to eat, a ground to work. They have, they, have, they have good, purposeful work. All is good. And then Satan, channeling through this serpent, comes in and begins to mess with their minds. And then we read in Genesis 3, 6, you know, you know how the, Moses records how it all falls apart? This out. Here's how it's recorded. Genesis 3, 6, when the woman saw she saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom. She took it, ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. They wanted it. Why did Adam and Eve take the fruit? Because they wanted to. And the number one standard in their life at that moment was their desire. And from there... A lot of bad things came into the world. And you and I are still living in it. Then the prophet Jeremiah, he says something very similar. I just want you to see the thread right here. Jeremiah, chapter 17, verse 5 and 6 and verse 9. This is what the Lord says. Cursed is the one who trusts in man, 
who draws strength from mere flesh, whose heart turns away from the Lord. Well, that person will be like a bush in the wastelands. They will not see prosperity when it comes. They will dwell in the parched places of the desert, in a salt land where no one lives. And then verse 9, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? Man, it doesn't get much clearer than this. If you turn away from the Lord thinking that you have all the strength that is needed to live everyday life, just ordinary life, if you think you've got all the answers or someone else does, you can go get it from them. If you live life like you are the center of the universe, or at least someone else might be, and you'll follow them, some human being working under their strength, and you turn from the Lord, well, you will be left very lonely. Your life will not work. Sometimes the best thing that people who are struggling with life whose minds are rattled, things feel fall, are falling apart, one of the best things they could do is really do some introspection and ask the question, where are you with the Lord? Because often, often people who are, who are, who are just, just, their minds and their bodies are ravaged are people far from the Lord. Now that doesn't mean that's always the case. There are plenty of followers of Jesus that are struggling. That's something we're all going to deal with. But I'm saying... If we turn from the Lord, literally this is the kind of life you're going to get. You'll pee alone and you'll wither and you'll die. So this whole idea that just trust your heart. I mean, that sounds good. You can put it on a commercial, throw some music over top of it, do a nice montage. I mean, that, that feels good. But the scriptures are very clear. If you follow your heart, you'll be like an ox going to the slaughter. Because your heart's not going to lead you in the end anywhere good. I just know today if I follow my heart, I'm going to be in big trouble. Like someone's going to die in my house if I follow my heart. You ever been angry at a, at a child? Yeah. Yeah. You, you should not do what you always feel. Do not follow your heart. Isn't it interesting that the one man who was tempted beyond any other man one man tempted beyond any other man. When he faced, when he faced temptation, this temptation, he didn't lean in on his own strength. He didn't follow his heart. He did not. He didn't. He didn't walk the way of his unchecked desires and feelings. Actually, denied them, and he went with his father's commands. You might remember the scene. It's recorded in Matthew chapter 4, verse 1 through 4. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit in the wilderness, tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days, 40 nights, he was hungry. And I'm just going to say, I think that's a, that was a really substantial hunger. The tempter came to him and said, If you're the Son of God, we'll tell these stones to become bread. You do see what's happening there. He's hitting them both at the pride level, his ambition, his identity, and his hunger. If you, if you say you're as good as you are, well, yes, I'm as good as I am. As I'm as powerful as I am. I mean, there's that piece, but then there's also the make some bread. You could eat. Verse 4, Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. So when, when this man, faced with the greatest temptation, obviously being hit at this deep level of desire, his response was not to follow his desire. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. So when when this man faced with the greatest temptation, 
obviously being hit at this deep level of desire, his response was not to, you can say no to your desires that are wayward. This is the way. This is what the Father tells. This is what the Father tells to the Son. And this is what, the, this is what Jesus does. We see this happening. Okay. So, we're going to move into application. Carol, there's another scripture. Um, is it right after this one? I, is there Second Timothy? Okay. I don't know where Second Timothy came. I am, I am literally blanking where that scripture was supposed to go. So it must need to go right here, since I'm remembering it right now. So you've got to ask, what are the words then that we're supposed to hold on to? Paul gives this answer, interestingly, to his spiritual son, Timothy. Paul, the spiritual father, Timothy, the spiritual son, here's what he says. All scriptures God breathed is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Like, what, what are those things you're supposed to tie on your fingers? What are the things you're supposed to hold on to? What's the foundation that's going to help you live a good life? It's the Word of God. It's the Word of God. Every day of the week. It's the thing that's stable. Politics, economy, culture, sports, none of it is stable. We might enjoy it and be engaged, but it is not stable. Not for a good life. Paul says here very clearly, God's Word is what is stable. Alright, so let's make some application. We'll just move in the application, no matter where that scripture came. Here's, here's, where, here's how I want to launch the application. When our feelings are in conflict with God's Word, follow God's Word. Okay, I'm going to say it another way. Trust God's Word for what is right more than your desires and your feelings. So this can go in a lot of different directions, right? So can I, let me just go with the elephant in the room right now, this hot cultural, cultural topic, okay? As I read the scriptures, in the beginning he created a biological man and a biological woman. Period. Done. And that's what God intended. And I also read in Romans 1 that when the human heart goes wayward biological men, biological women, they start doing some really weird stuff together. And that is a demonstration of how dark their hearts will get. It does not matter how a person feels about their gender or what they are. Biology determines these things. I cannot all of a sudden claim to be a woman and require you to treat me like a woman. Pronouns and all. That's not the way reality works. Your feelings and desires do not determine reality. Okay, so that's like the big cultural thing, like this big thing we're dealing with in our world. Uh, we, are, we are literally training a generation to, 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 to uh, follow their heart. So if at five years old you feel like something else, well, then you can be something else. That must be who you are, and we're going to do everything we can to encourage you in that way. I'm just telling you, I don't trust five-year-olds. I don't trust how five-year-olds feel. I don't even trust how a 15-year-old feels. And if we had to be real honest, I don't always trust how an almost 40-year-old feels. And if we had to get real, I imagine there are some of you around that 90 mark, 
you probably shouldn't trust how you feel all the time. I'm looking at you, Jeff. I, was, I, I didn't want to say FD because that might have been too close. I just, okay, okay. <laughs> okay, all right, okay. <laughs> I, I'm going to have to make FD pray, I guess. All right, so, all right, all right. But let's make it a little more personal now because all you going to probably, you're, you're probably going to get on my bandwagon right there. You may not be getting on this bandwagon. Here it is. Go to that next slide. So when you feel like getting revenge or gossiping or trashing someone publicly or overspending, that's right, I just went there, overspending, giving someone an inappropriate sign after they cut you off in traffic. <laughs> We're in church, y'all, you know, but you, you go with go, okay. Lusting, committing adultery, telling a white lie. Or sending a hateful text message. Now, I mean, there's just a million other examples. What, what I'm trying to get at is it's easy to cherry pick the big ones. Where a five-year-old who was born a biological male all of a sudden thinks he's, he's non-binary, transgender, and, and then just, well, I just lay on the acronyms. Like, it's easy to pick that one. It's a lot harder to pick that one about overspending. Or the one where you're gossiping about someone, taking them down behind their back. Now that one, that one sure does feel good. Seems to be quite innocent. We're dealing with the same issue. We are following our unchecked desires and feelings. And that will not lead anywhere good. So when you feel these things that are not right, but man, they feel right and they feel good, remember this. Your unchecked feelings and desires are not good guides for a good life. This is where Second Timothy would have come in, by the way. Now I remember. Right? Right, Carol? Is this right? Is this is Second Timothy right after this? Yeah. All right. Let's put it up just for fun. There it is. God's word is the thing that we that we land on. All right. I want to talk about a next step then. So like I don't want to just tell you to read more Bible, like we did that last week. So let's think up something a little more creative. Here we go. This is something we can do this week. Fast from something. And replace it with God's Word. So you're like, well, what do I fast from? I don't know. Do you like get on Facebook right when you wake up in the morning? Okay, so tomorrow, don't go on Facebook and open up the Bible app and read the verse of the day. There. You start there. And then you go on to Facebook. Do you love watching, you know, political commentary in the evening? Okay, well, take ten minutes and put on a Bible, put on the Bible and listen to it. Or, don't watch it and get your physical Bible and read it and just read one passage. Maybe it's not ten minutes. Maybe it's one minute. The point is, is when you feel like doing something, maybe it's something you do every day, consciously this week, tell yourself no and then replace it with Bible. There's nothing legalistic about this. I'm not saying, hey, miss three meals and like soak yourself in 30 minutes of God's Word each time you would have ate. You know, that's, like, don't try to run a marathon on this. The goal here is training. We are training here. Train yourself to say no. Train yourself to say no. Something very small. And, and then, as you tell yourself no, as I tell myself no, add God's Word. Those are the two things. And just watch what God will do with that. 
And along the way, you're training yourself not to trust your heart in all things. Your feelings and your desires, my feelings and my desires, if left unchecked, will only lead to bad things in the end. So I am training to say no and put God's Word in place. And in that, I am training the mind to remember it is His Word that is stable, not my heart. And man, we need that every day. Let's pray. Father, thank You for Your Word. Thanks for this parable given by this Father, then recorded in Scripture, inspired. It's exactly what we need. Particularly in our culture, where we are hit with so much advertising, we need this. So help us to say no. No to gossip, no to overspending, no to white lies. And may your word be the standard. And we sure need a lot of help with that. That's where we lean in on your grace. And we thank you that you forgive us when we mess up. Man, I'm grateful you forgive us when we mess up. So now go with us as we continue to worship. And as we make a little change, these little changes into the week, your word being that which is stable and the guide to a good life. We pray that under him who is the word made flesh, our King and Lord Jesus. And together we say, Amen.